welcome to the Authors Lighthouse podcast, helping writers and emerging authors navigate the choppy waters of publishing. I'm your host, Karen Schober, indie author and author consultant. Hello, and welcome to episode nine. Today, we're going to talk about ebooks. Ebooks helped revolutionize the world of indie publishing and the world of indie publishing we have today. And it also increased our options to read. While it is the same content as a book, it's not the same when it comes to formatting and the publishing process. It can differ what is needed for the printed book. In some ways, it is easier and less costly, but it can produce a distinct challenges as well. The first thing to know about ebooks are they are not PDFs or something you just download off the internet. They are ebook reader files. There are several different kinds of files that can be used, but the main one is the EPUB and they are mostly technically the EPUB 2 files. They can be used on ebook readers like the Kindle or Nook or smart devices and the computer as well through an app. So when it comes to imaging, images and formatting, the eBooks are really dumb. Well, not dumb, but the tech is low and they are finicky when it comes to formatting. For most eBooks, they are great for text and very simple charts or images. Because the ebook really formats the content to the reader's screen and their chosen font size, any images need to be in line with the text, meaning you cannot wrap the text around the image. It has to be above or below it. Having two charts or text to the left or right of the image can cause the text to run over the image or make it unreadable if the reader changes the font size or their screen cannot accommodate it. On top of that, they really should be black and white images or grayscale because the file needs to work on all e-readers, including the old ones and the paper whites that only work in grayscale. Yes, color will show up if used on a device that supports color, but keep your expectations low and it is not really intended for books with a lot of color or heavy imagery. With fonts, it is best to stick to the classics. There are only so many fonts that are actually uploaded onto the reader's software, and the reader's software being the device's software, and it can be changed by the reader as well. So the best practice, just keep it simple. Along with fonts, Mathematical and scientific formulas do not transfer well and are best to be treated as an image. The same can be said for musical scores. The cool thing is that you can have links within the book and you can use a search feature which eliminates the need for an index. The links can be internal, like in a table of contents, or to an external source, like a website. You can also highlight sections or even place a digital bookmark. I personally love that they can also sync between devices. If you are reading on your Kindle device and then switch to your phone, 
you would be able to keep your place without needing to set a bookmark. Much like formatting a book for print, chapter headings can be incorporated into each chapter and are usually attached to the hyperlink in the table of contents. There are no page numbers needed in an ebook. To make an ebook, you need two files the cover, which is an image file, and the formatted manuscript. Then it needs to be converted into an EPUB file. This is done sometimes through your formatting software, or there are sites like Smashbooks that can do it for you as well. Some online retailers like Amazon will take your raw file, PDF, Word, or whatever, and make the ebook file for you. But the EPUB file usually cannot be used on other sites if you go this route. For the best control of your files, I do recommend doing your own conversion before submitting them to online retailers. So a question that was always raised to me when I worked in self-publishing was digital rights management, or DRM. What is it? It is actually special code that the online retailers attach to the ebook files to only allow the purchaser of the book to have access to the files. But it is code that is inserted and a savvy reader could remove it. It is intended to cut down on piracy, which runs rampant on the internet. Adding DRM can be a very expensive venture and is usually added by the online retailer because of the cost. These online retailers being Amazon, iTunes, Apple Bookstore. I personally choose not to add DRM onto my books. My theory behind this is I want as many people to read my book as possible, even if it means losing out on some royalties, To and I do this to grow my brand as an author. To me, it's like one person sharing a book they liked with a friend once they're done with it. With DRM, there is no right or wrong answer if you want to include it onto your ebook or not. It is the author's or publisher's personal choice on how they manage their book. Like they have a thousand other things to worry about. DRM does not change the copyright ownership once it is applied. And it cannot be changed without taking the book down off the retail site and re-uploading it, which would technically be considered a new book and therefore any stats or reviews of the book would disappear. This is something that should be thought about before you press the upload button for your ebook files to your online retailer or distribution service. So I did mention before that images and ebooks don't play well. There is a file called an EPUB3, and this is intended for books that are heavy in images, like children's books, cookbooks, or anything with a lot of images in it. They are very special books that usually are only read on devices like, like the iPad. And basically, each page is its own very, very simple website. It's very complicated and can be uh, very expensive, but there are 
services through both Amazon, uh, through Amazon that will allow you to also create these books. But once you create the book on the retailer's platform, you cannot get the files to sell somewhere else. So this is something to think about when wanting to do a heavy image book. Uh, personally, I am not a fan of these uh, because I'm an author of novels. And also with children's books, I prefer to have the kids off the devices. They're on them way too much. But that's my own personal opinion. Make your own decisions. Uh, ebooks are great for kids. Kids reading books are wonderful. <laughs> but if I can keep them off the devices a little bit more, then I'm a fan. So I talked about ebook distribution. These are where ebooks can be sold. We all know about Amazon and iTunes, but there are many, many more and even more online retailers if you go international. Many sites will allow an author or publisher to upload the files directly, but some require an aggregator to do it for them iTunes gets finicky. Sometimes they let the author do it. Sometimes they need an aggregator. An aggregator is a company that you pay a fee, either a one-time fee or a percentage of the royalties, and they will distribute your book for you to online retailers. Of course, before using an aggregator service, please investigate them to make sure they are operating ethically so that you get reports on a schedule and more importantly, the oil royalties that you have earned. One big issue using ethical aggregators is that they may be keeping you from doing marketing efforts like Amazon ads, or it may require you paying the aggregator to run the ads for you and they will tack on an additional service fee to do this. This is all fine, but it's just something to be aware of. Average royalties on ebooks is between 30 and 70% of the retail price, depending on the online retailer's agreement and the retail price of the book. If you have your own EPUB files, you can also sell directly to your readers. By simply emailing the file to the reader upon sale or using an automated service like BookFunnel, this can be accomplished. This will further increase your royalties to almost 100% of the retail price and allow you to have more direct contact with your readers. And there's usually no DRM added to these files when you sell direct. And that is the basics, very basics of the ebook, something that has revolutionized indie publishing. So this word of the week is royalties. What are they? Royalties is the money, the percentage of the retail price that goes to the author. On eBooks, for an indie author who is doing their own distribution service and not using an aggregator, it is usually between 30 to 70%. If you're using Amazon, this is only for Amazon. If you charge $3.99 or to $9.99, you will get 70% in most countries for the sale of your ebook. Below that $3.99 and you will get 30%. Yes, you can sell it for free, 
but that is a choice. And obviously, if you're selling it for free, you're not going to make any money. But marketing is a whole different topic. So with royalties on printed books, indie authors usually make about 20 to 30% when going through a print-on-demand service. If you are selling direct, the only costs are your personal overhead of either printing the books and shipping them or any kind of service fees used by a third-party service like BookFunnel to send out the eBooks. These are personal things you need to decide. And one thing about selling books on Amazon uh, and other online retailers, it is important to keep your pricing consistent across all platforms because the online retailers have the right to change the price and that can affect your royalty payment. Now, when we talk about royalties, authors also think about advances. This is that big old chunk of money that comes from a publishing house when they first act Uh, acquire the rights to your book. It can be a couple hundred dollars, it could be a couple thousand dollars, it could be a million dollars, depending on how big of an author you are. This is an advance on future royalties. And authors usually do not make any money on book sales until they have earned back their royalties. This is just something to keep in mind on how the publishing world works. Another point when it comes to royalties, if you have your own editor, your own agent, or any other kind of business management, that is usually, and it does depend on your contract, it is usually paid out of your royalties. So that 70% on ebook, you need to pay your agent a percentage of that royalty. So Another thing just to keep in mind and be a well-informed author. In news this week, we have talked previously about the Penguin Random House antitrust trials, and there has been movement in the case. It looks like, according to what has been published, that the Department of Justice has not proven that the merger between the two publishing houses would become an issue. And I'm going to quote directly from the statements from the government. Quote, by the time of the trial, the government was focused only on books that yielded advances of a quarter million dollars or more, the top 2% of all books, and only representing about a thousand authors. These are not the authors being paid advances of $25,000 or even $500,000 or even a million dollars. These are authors signing multi-million dollar deals. These are the elite of the elite. They are the least in need of protection by the antitrust laws because they are well-deserved compensation reflects a simple market reality. They write books publishers will always compete the hardest to acquire. Yet, protecting these authors is what this case has come to. The government at trial could not identify any other way to plausibly define or describe the market in the market 
its case addresses. The briefs are likely to be the final act of the DOJ's efforts to block Penguin Random House's controversial acquisitions of Simon Schuster. She, uh, the judge, uh, Judge Pan, has not issued a ruling, and that is expected later this fall. So we'll see what happens with that. But it sounds like Simon Schuster is going to become part of the Penguin Random House family in the long run. All right. So, okay. On a personal update, we all know it's back to school time. It's September and I am in the last weeks of my academic program. It's getting challenging for me to do the academic writing that is needed while still doing my day job and my own writing. (laughs) I love writing of any kind, but finding the balance between creative and academic plus doing what I need to do to pay the bills is a struggle. I've yet to work on any works in progress I have at the moment, but I have been working on scripts for my new show, Aliens and Mole People, the podcast. Aliens and Mole People is a collection of weird stories and urban legends from around the world. To catch updates and find out about shows, you can follow the show at Aliens and Mole People on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have a weird story to share, email me. I would love to hear this. The email address is Karen at aliensandmolepeople.com. The first episode will drop on October 3rd and feature a cryptid that is local to me, the Jersey Devil. So that is this week's show. I hope you have are having a great beginning to the fall. And I look forward to talking with you next week. Have a great one. Bye. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash authors lighthouse. Every little bit helps support the show. And thank you.